0: Well, this morning we finish our series, Living by Faith. It's hard to believe. It seems like we just started it. We're going to talk about the sacrifice of faith. Everyone makes sacrifices for something. Parents make sacrifices for their kids. They delay vacations. They are sleep deprived, sacrificing sleep. They save for college all so they can care for their kids and give them the opportunities that they hope for. Soldiers make sacrifices for their country. They train and they obey orders. They live in cramped quarters. They go into dangerous situations out of their love for their country. Entrepreneurs make sacrifices to start new businesses. Athletes make sacrifices to compete. Addicts make sacrifices to feed their addictions. Everyone sacrifices for something. What kinds of sacrifices does a person of faith make? What are the sacrifices that living by faith in Jesus calls us into? Today we finish our fall series, Living by Faith, through Hebrews chapters 11, 12, and 13. And we started this series by defining faith as grasping on to the promises that God has offered us through his son, Jesus. Grabbing on to those promises and holding on. Living by faith is holding on to the promises of God. The book of Hebrews tells us that without this kind of faith, pleasing God is impossible. This is the way it's always been. From the very beginning, the way people have been approved by God has always been through their faith. In chapter 11 of Hebrews, we saw example after example of men and women who lived by faith. People like Abel and Enoch, Abraham and Sarah, Moses and Rahab, the prophets and the martyrs. God has given us these men and women as examples of people who have lived by faith well, who've held on to the promises of God throughout their lifetime. In chapter 12 of Hebrews, we saw that living by faith is like a long-distance relay race. And those who've run before us are like fans sitting in the stadium cheering us on as we run our part of this relay race, this race of faith. We saw that living by faith calls us to be holy, because without holiness, no one will finish this race of faith. And then last week in chapter 13, we saw that living by faith requires a community of faith. Without a community of faith, we will find it impossible to persevere in this long-distance relay race of faith. So today we finish by talking about the sacrifice of faith. Because everything worth doing in life costs us something. And living by faith is no exception. And as we finish Hebrews chapter 13, we're going to see five sacrifices that living by faith calls us to. And as we make these sacrifices, our faith will grow strong and we will persevere in this long-distance race that we call faith. So I want to invite you, if you're able, would you stand with me for the reading of God's word today out of Hebrews chapter 13, verses 10 through 19. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored. To you soon. You can be seated. The book of Hebrews was written to Jewish Christians, Christians of Hebrew descent. And contrary to the clue in Final Jeopardy this last week, um, it's very unlikely that the Apostle Paul was the author of the book of Hebrews. Sorry, clue makers in jeopardy. Um, no one knows for sure exactly who wrote the book of Hebrews, but it probably wasn't the Apostle Paul. And the book of Hebrews is called Hebrews because it was written to Jewish Christians. These first century Jewish Christians this book was written to had grown up practicing temple-based first century Judaism. Judaism. And so the author spends a lot of time helping these Jewish Christians understand how following Jesus fits with their Jewish heritage. The author of Hebrews connects the dots for us about how Jesus fulfills many of the practices of ancient temple Judaism. Now, when Hebrews was written, Judaism was a legally protected religion throughout the Roman Empire but Christianity was not. If you practice Judaism, people might criticize you and harass you because you were in a small religious minority, but your right to practice your faith was legally protected. And so you were exempt from the requirement to worship the Roman emperor or to give sacrifices to the Roman gods. But if you followed Jesus as a Christian, That was another matter entirely. The Romans viewed Jesus as a dangerous revolutionary, which is why they crucified him in the first place. And the Roman government saw followers of Jesus as just as dangerous. So being Jewish was relatively safe, but being Christian could be pretty dangerous depending on where you live. So as these Jewish Christians began to suffer for their faith in Jesus, some were starting to have second thoughts about this whole follow Jesus by faith thing. Some were tempted to retreat back into the safe confines of legally protected Judaism. And Hebrews wants to show us that there's no going back, that there's only going forward. Living by faith in Jesus, no matter what the cost. So throughout the book of Hebrews, we find a series of contrasts for these readers between their old way of knowing God before Jesus came and before they believed in Jesus through temple Judaism, and how they know God now that Jesus has come and they've become his followers. A series of contrasts. And in verses 10 through 14 of our reading today we find one final contrast between temple-based Judaism and following Jesus. And it's summed up in verse 10 in the phrase, we have an altar. We have an altar. This is actually the fourth time in Hebrews that the author has said that through faith in Jesus, we have something. In chapter 4, the author said that we have a great high priest through Jesus. In chapter 6, the author says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. In chapter 10, he said, we have confidence to enter God's presence freely and without fear. And then here in verse 10 of chapter 13, he says, we have an altar. Now, what exactly is an altar? An altar is a place where sacrifices are offered To God as an act of worship. When Hebrews was written for these Jewish people in the first century, they had an altar, and that altar was located in the temple in Jerusalem before it was destroyed by the Romans a few years later. Jewish worshipers would bring their sacrifices to the temple, present them to the priests in the temple, and those sacrifices would be offered on the altar as an act of worship to God. An altar is a place where sacrifices are offered. Christians may not have a literal temple in a literal place, but we have an altar. And these verses present a contrast between the Jewish temple altar and the altar that Christians have through their faith. In the old covenant before Jesus came, in ancient Judaism, on the annual Day of Atonement, each year the Jewish high priest would offer animal sacrifices on this altar for the forgiveness of the sins of the people. Now, on other days and with other sacrifices, a portion of the animal sacrifice would actually go to the priests, and they would cook up that portion of the animal, and they would eat it as their meal. This is how priests were supported in the Old Testament, eating a portion of the sacrifices that were brought by worshipers. But there was an exception to this, and that exception was the sacrifice that was offered on the Day of Atonement each year the sins of the people. That sacrifice was wholly offered to God, and then the remains of that animal were taken outside of the camp and burned. And so Hebrews 13 is telling us that this sin offering that was sacrificed on the day of atonement by the high priest each year was pointing to the final sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for our sins. Jesus suffered outside the city gate on a hill called Golgotha, which means the skull. That's where he was crucified. And just as the Day of Atonement sacrifice was burned outside of the camp, Jesus made atonement for all human sin on that hill, outside the city of Jerusalem, on the cross. We have an altar. And that altar is our faith in the crucified one in Jesus. Just because we don't have a literal temple doesn't mean we don't have an altar. And just because Jesus was the final sacrifice for human sin, bringing an end to the entire temple sacrificial system of the Old Testament for Christians, that does not mean that we are exempt from bringing other offerings, other sacrifices to God as an act of worship. We have an altar, and we bring our sacrifices on the altar of our faith in Jesus. And so verse 13 of our reading invites us to follow Jesus outside the camp, outside the city wall, bearing the same disgrace that Jesus bore when he offered himself as a sacrifice for our sins. Let us go to Jesus outside the camp to follow him as his disciples. For these Jewish Christians staying inside the camp, staying within the city walls, meant remaining within the safe confines of legally protected Judaism. It meant turning away from Jesus' church, abandoning their community of faith, and returning to the safe confines. And although we today are are not in the same kind of situation these Jewish Christians were in, for us, living by faith means leaving the confines of safety to follow Jesus. Going to Jesus, even if it means risking his shame and his suffering upon us. Just as Abraham went into the promised land looking for the city of God on his pilgrimage. When we persist in following Jesus, living by faith, we are looking for the kingdom of God, the city that is still yet to come. And this is the first sacrifice we make on the altar of faith. We release our reputation on the altar of faith. We release our reputation. It's only human for us to care about what other people think about us. After all, everyone wants to be liked and accepted by the people around them. I have a pastor friend who was just let go by his church a couple of weeks ago. And as we were talking on the phone and processing that experience, he said, I don't even want to be there anymore. But when they let me go, I thought, why don't you want me anymore? He said he felt like he was in middle school again, and the cool kids didn't want him sitting at their table. Because we all want to be liked and accepted. But living by faith asks if we're willing to sacrifice our reputation on the altar of faith. Are we willing to be disliked, misunderstood, maybe even maligned and slandered, sometimes by God's people, for following Jesus outside the safe confines of the camp, outside the city walls? A couple of years ago, Cindy and I were invited to dinner by a renowned, world-renowned scientist who was a member of the church I was pastoring at that time. He took us to dinner at the Athenaeum, a private dining club at Caltech. This guy was a pioneer in the creation of electric vehicles. And as we ate dinner with him at a table, he pointed at another table where Albert Einstein used to eat when he was visiting professor at Caltech. And as we ate, he told us all about his faith in Jesus. He told us how hard it had been for him through the years, being a scientist and yet living by faith in Jesus at a time when so many of his fellow scientists were atheists. Because he lived by faith, some people ostracized him, maligned him, or refused to work with him. He missed out on opportunities to advance his career because he was living by faith in Jesus. And yet he told us now in his 70s that the sacrifice of his reputation was nothing in comparison to the joy of knowing Christ and the joy of sharing Christ with those around him. And now, retired after years of teaching at Caltech and working at JPL and working for a time at Tesla, he was still unwavering in his faith in Jesus. Are you willing to release your reputation on the altar of your faith? Here's another sacrifice. We also offer our praise on the altar of faith. We offer our praise. The first part of verse 13 says, Through Jesus, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. To praise someone is to speak about their greatness, their awesomeness, their excellence. And this phrase, sacrifice of praise, actually comes from the Old Testament. A Bible scholar named Mary Healy in her commentary on Hebrews says that in the Old Testament, a sacrifice of praise was a special offering that a person would bring to the temple in order to thank God for some special blessing in their life or to celebrate a joyful occasion. Healy says that that part of this sacrifice of praise would be offered by the priest on the altar, but the rest of this sacrifice was cooked up and turned into a feast of celebration for the worshiper to share with their family and friends. A sacrifice of praise. Sometimes communion, the Lord's Supper. Is called a sacrifice of praise, which is why some churches call the communion table an altar where the sacrifice of praise is offered. In fact, Calvin says in his Institutes, the Lord's Supper is a sacrifice of this kind in which while we proclaim Christ's death and give thanks, we offer God a sacrifice of praise. So even though we don't have a literal temple, Living by faith calls us to continually offer our praises on the altar of our faith. Through the songs that we sing, the words that we use to tell about God. Living by faith is a continual offering of praise to God and unceasing sacrifice of praise when we're alone and when we're with people, when we're worshiping with each other at church and when we're working on the jobs, when we're caring from our families and when we're with our friends. In fact, Thanksgiving this next week is a great opportunity for us to offer a sacrifice of praise. Think of your Thanksgiving gathering on Thursday as a time for worship as you talk about God's goodness and greatness and excellence as you enjoy your feast with friends and family. Let it be a sacrifice of praise to God. Because praise is a sacrifice that we offer on the altar of faith as we live by faith. Here's a third sacrifice. We proclaim our witness on the altar of faith. We proclaim our witness. The second half of verse 15 says, the fruit of lips that openly profess Christ's name. You know, throughout Hebrews, there's an emphasis on publicly, openly professing the name of Jesus. Because some of these Jewish Christians were tempted to hide their association with the name of Jesus. They were t- tempted to stay within the safe confines instead of going outside the camp, venturing outside the city to follow Jesus, to not be associated with the name of the crucified suffering one who have been rejected. And many of us are tempted to be silent about Jesus as well. We're all talking about our faith is uncomfortable. We fear that people will judge us so much easier to keep it to ourselves, to privately profess Christ's name. Yet living by faith calls us to offer the sacrifice of our witness on the altar of our faith. Whenever we receive a new member, as we did last Sunday, we ask them to publicly confess their faith in Jesus in front of us. Because publicly identifying with Jesus is part of this life of faith. And some people would rather be associated with a sports team or a clothing brand or a political party than the name of Jesus, the rejected, crucified one who suffered and died in shame outside the city gate. But if we want to live by faith, we offer our witness on the altar of faith. Here's a fourth sacrifice. We render our service On the altar of our faith, we render our service. In verse 16, Hebrews urges us to not forget to do good. And the word he uses to describe doing things that benefit other people. That's what doing good is, doing things that benefit other people. And to share with others, to to give of what we have, to share our resources in order to enhance the lives of other people. What we do for others and what we share with other people is a sacrifice offered to God on the altar of our faith. The service we render is a sacrifice. Maybe you've heard of the author Henry Nallen. Henry built his career as a respected Ivy League professor. For over 20 years, now and taught first at Yale University and then at Harvard University, two of the top universities in the nation. He had all the accolades of being an academic elite, someone who had climbed the ladder of academic success and reached the top. There was no place else to go. And he could have stayed there, a tenured professor, a, a respected and admired writer and scholar. But after 20 years in the academy, Henry shocked everybody when he resigned from his post at Harvard in order to become a chaplain at a little community in Toronto, Canada called La Arche. La Arche is a communal living ministry for developmentally disabled people. Henry went from teaching the best and brightest college students in the nation to changing diapers and working with people who couldn't speak. But Henry saw his service at Arch as an offering to God on the altar of his faith. And ironically, as he stepped down from that ladder, God elevated Henry to become what Christianity today called one of the most influential Christian authors of the 20th century. The service we render to other people is an offering to God on the altar of our faith. Living by faith calls us to serve people, to do good to them, to share what we have with them. We do this when our volunteers listen to kids recite their memory verses at Awana on Wednesday nights. Or when they lead a small group or make breakfast burritos for the church in the kitchen as they did last week. We serve when we bring our offerings to God as part of our worship in order to support the ministry of the church. We do it when we collect toys for Shepherd's Pantry or sponsor a child in Ecuador. We serve people as we welcome La Casa Church on our campus and share our resources with them. Because serving others always costs something. But God is pleased with these sacrifices because they are a part of living by faith. Finally, the fifth sacrifice in our reading today is we lift up our prayers on the altar of faith. We lift up our prayers on the altar of faith. We we covered verse 17 about our spiritual leaders last week, but verses 18 and 19 are about the sacrifice of prayer. The Bible often pictures prayer as a sacrifice. Psalm 141 verse 2 likens our prayers to incense that the temple priests would offer at the evening sacrifice. The book of Revelation chapter 5 pictures the prayers of God's people as incense reaching the throne room of God. And the author of Hebrews asks these Jewish Christians that he's writing to to lift up their prayers for him. He and other Christian leaders were seeking to live honorably and with a clear conscience. And we don't know the backstory of verse 18, but it sounds like some Christians were questioning their honor. He asked for prayer that he can visit them again soon. Our prayers are a sacrifice that we offer to God. Our prayers are like incense that are burned within the temple by the priests that rise up to God. The prayers that we pray in church when our elders or our pastors lead us in prayer for each other and for our our community and for our world like Leslie did earlier today, one of our elders. This is a sacrifice on the altar of faith, but it also includes the prayers that we pray when we're alone for our family and for our friends, for our nation, and for our world. These prayers matter. They make a difference. They are an offering that we are sacrificing on the altar of our faith. Living by faith is a life of sacrifice, where we, like temple priests, bring our offerings to God where we leave the safe confines of our safety and security to release our reputation to God, to offer our praises, to proclaim our witness, to serve other people, and to lift up our prayers. God is pleased with these kinds of sacrifices. But when we insist on protecting our reputation, withholding our praise, hiding our witness, refusing to serve others, holding back our prayers, we will surely falter in the life of faith. So, Glenkirk, Kirk, let's live by faith together, because without it, it's impossible to please God. Let's look for the city that is yet to come, the new Jerusalem, the kingdom of God, rather than becoming distracted and entangled with the kingdoms of this world. Let's run the race with perseverance and pursue holiness. Let's not forsake our community of faith, and let's bring our sacrifices on the altar of faith. Now, the book of Romans, the apostle Paul offers a similar image in chapter 12, when he urges us to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. The problem, it's been said, with living sacrifices is they tend to crawl off the altar. And maybe you've crawled off the altar of your faith. Maybe some of us have been living in fear of what others think or what the future might hold instead of living by faith in Jesus. Maybe we've been relying upon what we can see in our own internal resources instead of holding on to the promises of God. Maybe we've crawled off the altar of faith a bit, perhaps even without realizing it. And it's time to crawl back on, to follow Jesus outside the camp, to live by faith. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these words and for this series And thank you for the invitation to this great adventure that we call living by faith. Father, may this be a congregation that is known for its faith. Not for its resources, or its reputation, but for its faith. May we live continually upon the altar offering our sacrifices to you, the kinds of sacrifices that you are pleased with. For we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.